from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Good morning, security gang. Welcome to another episode of the Cyber Hub Podcast. Thank you for tuning in this morning. We've got a packed, packed show today. A lot of things going on. We've got ransomware attacks that are really starting to make through. We're starting to make some headway on ransomware. And so there's there's that. We've got some follow-up stories from some, some breaches and some events that have happened previously that we're really starting to get the full picture. And that's how long it takes sometimes. And I think that's one of the things that that's really challenging in our generation. We're the generation of now. We want to know now. We want answers now. We need that immediate gratification. And in cybersecurity as a practitioner, you know that nothing is immediate. Everything is process-based. Everything is built upon building a solid policy, followed by a solid process, identifying gaps and risks and filling those, sometimes with some shiny tools, sometimes by updating processes. It's just the nature of the game. This is not an instant gratification type of industry. And so with that being said, a lot to talk about today. Let's get right into that. If you haven't seen our Substack, go check out our Substack, jamesazar.substack.com. You can support our show that way. And when you do so, you get one of these awesome espresso travel mugs that we send right to your home um, as, as uh, our appreciation for your support of the program, jamesazar.substack.com. Now join me for our traditional coffee cup cheers this morning. I've got my double espresso. Enjoy yours. Coffee cup cheers, y'all. Spot on. Let's go ahead and get started with some really disturbing news coming out of the United States and uh, uh, United Kingdom. Two major water companies, Viola North America and Southern Water, have been targeted in a ransomware attack that has resulted in data breaches. Uh, Viola describes itself as the world's largest private player in the water sector. It provides water and wastewater services to tens of millions of people. The notice posted on its website, it revealed that its municipal water division was hit by ransomware last week. In response to the incident, the company took down the targeted back-end systems and servers, which disrupted an online bill payment system. The incident seems to have been confined to their internal back-end systems at Viola North America, and there's no evidence to suggest it affected the water or wastewater treatment operations, meaning this was an IT ransomware rather than an OT system. So IT backend servers, the traditional stuff you know, endpoints, operational technology, OT systems, that's the HMIs, PLCs, the turbines, the thing that really power the uh, water treatment facilities, the chemical induction uh, inducing kind of things in there that help clean the water, keep it clean, make sure it gets to you in a safe manner. Um, there's been no known group that it's taken credit for this specific cyber attack. And then in the UK, Southern Water, which provides water services to around 2.5 million customers and wastewater services to 4.7 million customers in the south of England, they stated that on Tuesday, a suspicious activity was detected on their system and an investigation was launched. The statement came after the Black Basta ransomware group listed Southern Water on its leak website with claiming to have stolen 750 gigabytes worth of files, including ones containing PII and corporate documents. The attackers posted several screenshots showing that they had obtained uh, identification document scans like passports and driver's license, as well as other PII. Southern Water has refused to pay the ransomware, and so this data will likely get released. Um, and there's that as well. The water sector has now been increasingly targeted, uh, obviously, as we've seen in the last few weeks. 
uh, uh, the last month or so, we've seen we saw an attack, a similar attack in Pennsylvania, one in Ireland. So um, um, that's on the rise. Keep your eye on this because this is significant. Additionally, the CISA said their joint defense collaborative gathers tips from cybersecurity researchers, infrastructure providers, and threat intel firms to notify victims of early stage ransomware activity. Federal authorities said that they've alerted nearly 60 entities across multiple critical infrastructure sectors of a potential pre-ransomware intrusion during the first quarter of this year. That's a significantly ramped up notification activity throughout the remainder of the year. The agency uh, works with ransomware doesn't stop but alerts. CISA helped a Fortune 500 company hit with a $60 million ransomware attack in February, February, establish a CISO position, identify areas to improve its IT infrastructure and security controls. The agency said it also helped a massive transit operator prevent a $350 million ransomware attack on critical transportation sectors. Friday, I had uh, Sue Bergamo on the show. Uh, we recorded the episode yesterday and this was one of the things we talked about the critical role of CISA especially given all this regulatory stuff that comes through and this story really kind of hit home for me this morning uh right you know kind of remembering our our podcast from yesterday that podcast will air at 1 p.m eastern on friday uh, on your favorite podcast listening platform we'll move to trello and their api that's allowing the linking of private email addresses with trello accounts that enables the creation of millions of data profiles containing both public and private information. Trillo, an online magic, uh, project management tool owned by Adelasian, is commonly used by businesses to organize data tasks into boards, cards, and lists. News of the Trillo data leak came last week when a person using the alias email attempted to sell the data of 15 million users on a popular forum. It contains emails, usernames, full names, and other account info. I read the post, selling one copy to whoever wants it, message me on site or in Telegram. If you're interested, while most of the data in these profiles is public, the email addresses are not. Um, so all evidence points to a threat actor testing a pre-existing list of email addresses against publicly available Trello user profiles, according to Adelasian, who, who's kind of responding to this. They're conductive and uh, they're conducting a exhaustive investigation. They've not found any evidence of unauthorized access. In a conversation, Bleeping Computer learned in a conversation with email, the uh, person selling the data they've learned that a publicly exposed api was used to associate email addresses with public trello profiles trello offers a rest api that allows developers to integrate the service into their application one of the endpoints enable developers to query for public information about a profile based on users trello id or username they discovered you can also query this api endpoint using an email address and if there's an associated account retrieve their public uh, profile information they further said that the API was publicly accessible, meaning it could be queried without logging into a Trillo account or even using an API authentication key. The, th the threat actor built a list of 500 million email addresses, then fed them into the API to determine if they were associated with a Trillo account. A bleepy computer was told that the Trillo API's rate limited per IP address. The threat actor said they pur purchased proxy servers to rotate the connection to keep querying the API consistently, highlighting why you need to have visibility into your api rate limits and firewalls don't work you gotta know what's going on at all times you gotta you've got to own the life cycle of your api uh chuck herring of web and i did a podcast recently with with uh danny and this was one of the topics we talked and c was on that podcast as well 
Um, and, and that was one of the things we talked about on that podcast uh, with Danny Wolf was, you know, you've got to own the life cycle of your API. And if you don't, then you're leaving it out there for people to abuse. Here, case in point, uh, Trillo should be investing in some API security. The attack, the Russian attackers behind the SolarWinds breach are the ones behind the uh, Microsoft uh, leaders email breach that happened that we talked about yesterday. So Microsoft said they detected nation state attack on their corporate systems on January 12th. An investigation uncovered a long running campaign by uh, APT29 or Noblium, um, which is part of the Russian F- uh, SVR, the, the Foreign Intelligence Services, uh, kind of their version of the CIA, essentially. Um, so now this attack is being attributed to the same group that was behind the SolarWinds breach, which led to a whole a, a large headache for Microsoft. Uh, the SolarWinds breach was big for SolarWinds. It was bigger for Microsoft. Uh, it was huge for Microsoft. And so there's that as well. The spokesperson has reiterated that their investigation found no vulnerabilities in their products. Uh, the company reported the incident to the SEC on Friday and said they were able to remove the th- uh, the actor's access to the email accounts on January 13th. And so there's that as well uh, happening there. We see those stories and those attackers coming back. Chrome for their end released Chrome 121 to the stable channel, patching 17 vulnerabilities, including 11 reported by external researchers. They handed out across about $30,000 for this specific update in bug bounties, the first high severity bug is CVE 2024-0807, and it's a use after free issue in the web audio. The researcher there made $11,000. The next in line was CVE 2024-0812, described as inappropriate implementation and accessibility. That security researcher made $9,000. And The third high severity, CVE 2024-0808, an integer underflow in the web UI, that bug bounty guy, uh, gentleman or lady made $6,000 uh, in the Google advisor. So you want to make sure you get your Chrome browsers updated and ready to go. A proof of concept code targeting a critical vulnerability in Fortress Go Anywhere managed file transfer product was published one day after an advisory came out. The advisory CVE 2024-0204 has a CVSS score of 9.8, it's described as an authentication bypass flaw that could allow an unauthenticated attacker to create an administrator user for the application. It impacts uh, MFT versions 6.x and 7.x. The vulnerability was identified and reported in December of last year when Fortra warned its customers via an internal security advisory. A copy which was shared on X, who was one of the researchers who discovered the flaw. Uh, Fortra released patches or the bug on December 7th, published an advisory on January 22nd, urging customers to update their Go Anywhere MFT instance to version 7.4.1 or higher. So there's that as well. You want to make sure to get that updated. Ivanti, if you don't think they're having a really, really bad start to 2024, they'd love nothing more than to rewind the clock back to 2023 and go back into oblivion. Uh, it's not the case. So we know that they've got two zero days combined together, create a super duper zero day, right? Well, now Moody's is downgrading their credit rating, uh, which is significant. Um, and the reason that is, is because Moody's is expecting that the company's going to have a lot of damage and it's not really worthy there as well. So 
Um, not only are they having to deal with that, but Moody is saying the attacks are credit negative against Avanti, um, and they'll have negative implication on the company's reputation, which could lead to higher customer attrition, potential litigation, and impact revenue growth. This is one of the first times Moody's has actually done that against a company with this type of uh, attack. So this is significant. Pay attention to this one because it's a really great point to talk to your CFO, your CEO, and your board about is if you're a publicly traded company and you're going through a whole bunch of zero days, you could eventually face the wrath of credit rating agencies on your stock where they say it's a sell now and that could really uh, have huge impact if you've uh, are subscribed to our substack you know that i wrote several articles really kind of challenging this un cybercrime treaty on the final eve of negotiation it appears that somehow some way uh there's the most useless organization on planet earth is going to come up with another useless thing that people are going to look at and try to identify and it'll help create some linkedin stuff um and make things you know all that much better but really it's not um the most recent draft uh, prompted outrage from many, many tech giants human rights organizations and others who said it criminalizes cybersecurity researchers ignores human rights and erodes data privacy on a global level there's really it's failing to address a whole bunch of of issues um the State Department said they're looking at this. Um, the final negotiation and the treaty creation will convene from January 29th to February 9th uh, for the seventh and final negotiations uh, session. After that, a report will be issued uh, and a general assembly um, vote will likely be held at some point in September during the general assembly to see whether or not they want to adopt this. Um, it, th this has no implications other than it's worthless. It means nothing. Don't pay attention to it. It has no teeth. Even if it had teeth, China and Russia sit on the Security Council with the U.S. And as you well know, if something, if Russia and China agree on something, the U.S. is going to veto it. Vice versa. Uh, that's that's the name of the game. The U.N. the most useless organization since 1948. Just saying it. That's it. All right, that's it for our show this morning. We'll wrap up this week tomorrow, 9 a.m. Eastern, right here with all the latest and greatest. Please go give us a subscribe on our Substack. I have two articles on the UN that you can definitely enjoy. I really break down their history, why they lack teeth, how they've always lacked teeth, and how somehow right now they're put, uh, uh, putting Iran in charge of talking about nuclear disarmament, a, a country that's vowing to develop a nuclear weapon to destroy Israel and the Jewish state. Um, you know, you can't make this shit up anywhere else, but at the most ludicrous place on planet Earth, the United Nations. So that's it. Um, again, thanks for tuning in. Make sure to give us a like and a subscribe. Thanks so much. Have a great rest of your day. And most importantly, stay cyber safe. We love feedback. So make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.